Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and nice people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your supine host, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries, where we get to know someone in the POTS community and hear their story. Today, we are speaking with someone very far away from me, Daniela, who kindly volunteered to share her experiences so that we might all benefit. Daniela, thank you so much for talking to me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Let's start with some basics about you. How old are you? I am 21. And where are you? I am currently in Melbourne, Australia, so across the other side of the world for you guys. <laughs> and is that where you grew up? I grew up in regional Victoria, so the state in Australia I'm in is Victoria. So that's about an hour and a half away from Melbourne, so I've moved to the city. <laughs> And it is September 2nd where I am. It is September 3rd where you are. It is the end of summer where I am. What season is it for you? We are just starting spring. Okay. So completely different. <laughs> I'm in California, so I feel like it seems like it's always either my wildfire season or your wildfire season. So right now it's mine. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> So introduce us to you a little bit. What are some basic things to know about you, Daniela? So I'm 21. I'm a university student. I'm studying a Bachelor of Nutrition Science, um, the Dietetics Pathway. I go to Deakin University. I have POTS. <laughs> I also have chronic fatigue as well. How would your family or friends describe your personality? Definitely more outgoing than I used to be. I'm always laughing and a bit loud. <laughs> Everyone's telling me to be quiet because currently we're in lockdown at the moment. And uh, yeah, so my brother and sister are doing university slash high school. So there is telling me you're being too loud, <laughs> which is so I'm going to try and not distract them. <laughs> and what are some things that you enjoy doing for fun? I have singing lessons, so I guess that's a little bit different. I've sat exams for them, which have been super fun. I'm definitely a creative person, so I am involved in a lot of society like clubs at my university, and I run their social media accounts, so I create content for them and promote it, and I'm involved in a lot of different things. <laughs> I try and keep myself busy. <laughs> that's great. I have to ask, what made you decide to focus on nutrition of all the majors in the world? It took a while to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. So last year, I actually was just doing like a, a broad health science degree. I knew I wanted to go into allied health, but I wasn't sure which area. I really wanted to help people, especially people who had been through a similar experience to me. POTS is not well known here in Australia. We kind of found out about POTS before our doctors did, and we were the ones suggesting it. So I wanted to go into a field that helped people with what I was experiencing, and I experienced a lot of problems with food. So it's kind of like a, I wouldn't say selfish because I want to help people, but at the same time, you know, 
it's going to help me figure out my intolerances and why I'm experiencing the way that I'm experiencing things with the complication of POTS. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I find it so interesting. I find it so applicable to life. Yeah, and I just really want to help people. And I know dietetics, especially related to POTS, isn't really saturated here in Australia as much. So I feel like it's a bit more niche. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you're going to help so many people. Let's get into your POTS journey. What was the first sign that something was up? When I was about 15, I started waking up really dizzy in the mornings and I would actually at one stage about halfway through the year when I turned 15, so that was in 2015, I woke up and I just started passing out all the time and like I couldn't understand why. But at the time we thought it's like dehydration or stress, but now looking back, I realized it was the first signs of POTS. So did it take you a long time to seek medical attention? It did, purely because my symptoms kept getting worse and no one knew what was happening. So basically I started experiencing those symptoms and then I got two really bad types of food poisoning and the symptoms just kept going on and on and on. I was experiencing different symptoms and now looking back like they all add up to POTS. But I didn't officially get like medical attention when things got really bad when I was about 17. At the time I had just experienced food poisoning and it was like I had extra long gastro symptoms which then progressed with the dizziness and everything. I got misdiagnosed a lot, so <laughs> but what say once it was found that I had POTS, which was about 18, it was something that addressed all my symptoms and once I started addressing those symptoms, my symptoms did start to ease, so that was good. <laughs> so how did you finally find a doctor that knew about POTS? You had mentioned earlier that in Australia, the patients seemed to know about POTS before the doctors did very widely. Can you talk more about that and how you found somebody? Initially, I was diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome and I was also experiencing a lot of anxiety. So we went through the process of like doing the low FODMAP diet and doing treatment for that. But I was still progressing a lot worse. And so I went from like seeing gastroenterologists to I got recommended to a pediatrician at the Royal Children's Hospital. And around about the same time, my mum's best friend sent article written by someone in America and talking about this condition called POTS. It was just ironic that it had my pot specialist name in it because they listed different specialists and treatments for around the world, not just in America. And it just happened to be that the pediatrician I was seeing at the Royal Children's at the time said, hey, you might have this thing called POTS. And so we clicked the dots together and we did a little bit of research. We basically used the resources and the pot specialists that were in that article and we asked the doctor about it. We had to say this is who we want to go to because they didn't know any specialists that treated POTS. Yeah, we found out through an article first. <laughs> and yeah, we did a lot of research. And actually the first specialist that we tried to get in contact with, they had retired. So we had to like go around and find someone else. You know, it's so interesting that a lot of people that I talk to tell me that what really saved them was oftentimes their mom talking to someone else's mom. And I call it the mom network. And I think that they do so much good and help so many people. And it's like this magical network of people who are through the grapevine helping all their kids. It's so wonderful. 
at your very worst, what were your worst symptoms and have they improved very much now that you have some knowledge of what you have? So first of all, yes, my symptoms have improved. So I hope this gives hope and inspiration to people. I got very, very, very sick to the point where I was bed bound and to transfer myself around, I was in a wheelchair and someone had to push me around. My symptoms were so bad. You could say that I could only walk like one step and I would collapse on the ground. I was very, very, very weak. Lots of dizziness, like heart palpitations all the time. I was just constantly like sore. So I was incredibly, incredibly weak. But through knowledge and treatment and medication, I no longer am bed bound. I'm no longer in a wheelchair. I've been able to go back to school. I graduated high school. I'm in university now with lots of help. (laughs) I've been able to live independently. So that's been a really important step for me growing as a person. Yeah, so the answer is yes, I have improved my symptoms over time. I no longer experience as much dizziness as what I used to. I still have flare-up days. I also got really, really, really bad migraines too, like a completely different life. Like I can't even recognise that person that I was when I was 18 compared to now 21, which is crazy. (laughs) So how long did the bad times last and how long did it take you to kind of get a much better situation like you have now? So my symptoms started when I was 15. It didn't get really bad till I was about 17. And then things didn't really pick up till I was like 19, 20. So I would say at least like two years of really, really bad since I was like 15, 16, not knowing until I was about 18. That kind of gives a timeline. And then I really knew what was going on and started like lots of treatment when I was 19. Two years post-diagnosis. Wait, three. Yeah, three. (laughs) And did you have to do a lot of work? Did you have to do an exercise routine? Or what did that look like on your path back to getting more functional? My life has completely changed in a good way. I went and did a program at the Royal Children's Hospital. It was actually addressing chronic fatigue for students because I was experiencing a lot of chronic fatigue. At the start, I was very bed-bound. But I first went off to the Monash Children's Hospital at the time and I was put into like their outpatient rehabilitation and I saw a physio and an occupational therapist and a dietitian and together I sought treatment from them and they referred me to a physiotherapist team that was kind of local to me. And I basically did a lot, a lot of exercise They called it like physiotherapy Pilates, sort of. A lot of strength training, energy pacing. I learned all about that. I live my life now by energy pacing rather than time management, which is like the term I referred for, like how I think society generally runs their life, whereas people with POTS or chronic fatigue tend to live their life more energy pacing to help manage their symptoms. But yeah, my life has completely changed. (laughs) I like how you talk about that about energy pacing instead of time management. For people who maybe are not familiar with that idea, can you give us examples of what that means to you or how you pace your energy? Yeah, so 
I know there's several different methods you can define or use energy pacing. I know one of them is to do with spoons, <laughs> but I got taught the method of like the traffic light system. So you basically give each activity that you do a red color, a yellow color, or a green color. And red color activities are things that really exhaust you and make you require to take a significant period of rest. Yellow activities are activities that are a little bit exhausting and you need a little bit of time to recover, but not a lot. And then green light activities you can do anytime, any day. And so basically what I had to do was I had to have an activity diary and you schedule in your day all these activities with mostly green and yellow activities. You might have a red activity. But energy pacing is learning to pace yourself through rating yourself, focusing on how you feel and your symptoms rather than focusing on the amount of time you are doing an activity. It's putting yourself first rather than putting a scheduled timetable first, <laughs> which has definitely helped a lot. That's fantastic. Is there anything else that stands out that has been really helpful for you? I've done a lot of things to modify my lifestyle. Some of the things that I have found really helpful have been, so I wear the number two and then letters XU. They are a compression brand. And so I wear full length, kind of like legging compressions. And in the summer, I wear like calf sleeve compressions. So that has been extremely helpful. I think the more obvious sort of things like increasing my salt intake I take like electrolyte hydrolytes quite often for that as well. I have a shower chair in the shower and bathroom to help with those activities to conserve energy. That's another thing about energy pacing that I forgot to mention. <laughs> You can take red activities or yellow activities and make them like down a level in the red, yellow, green light system. So to make things easier. So that has been something else that has been really helpful. A shower chair. I sleep on like a foam wedge, which I've been talking to a few other people with pots and they didn't know this was a possibility. I went to my local, it's actually my mum's idea. <laughs> we went to a like a mobility aid store and they had different things for adjustments in your bed and one of them was you could add like this wedge for your bed to help sleep upright. It's actually initially created for people who experience acid reflux, which I did have those symptoms too, but I found that I couldn't sleep flat. So that has helped me a lot too. I would say they're the main things besides exercise and energy pacing. Yeah, I hope that gives some helpful tips for people with POTS. Yeah. So at this point, what is the best support that other people can give you in terms of helping you live well with your POTS? I think having patience, empathy, <laughs> and understanding is the best thing you can do to support someone with POTS. Being willing to understand what they're going through rather than brush them off and kind of not recognize what's going on. I think that's really important and understanding that their way of life might be different to your way of life and the typical normal way of life in quotation marks. Being supportive of alterations that they may need in their life to make things easier. For example, with energy pacing, 
that's how they're living their life rather than time management. So they may not be able to go out and socialise for two hours straight. They might have to do half an hour, take a break and then do half an hour again. So being more empathetic and understanding of that. They're not doing it to like inconvenience you. They don't want to do that. (laughs) They're just trying to put their health first and do the best possible way to live their life so that they can spend time with you and enjoy life patience, empathy and willingness to understand and educate yourself (laughs) is the short answer. (laughs) So do you think that having a chronic illness has changed you as a person at all? I think so, hopefully in a positive way. It's definitely opened up my eyes a lot to slowing down and taking care of myself. I was that overachiever. prior to experiencing pot symptoms and diagnosis and it's really allowed me to focus on the present moment and find time to prioritize and take care of myself and also have a lot more empathy for what other people are going through and being more willing to help do things that prioritize them and their health so and more understanding. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's definitely changed me. Oh, good. Yeah, the world needs more understanding. So it sounds like you had some pretty horribly rough times there for a while, and you had to kind of fight hard to get a good life back. And I'm wondering what gave you strength through those difficult times? What helped you cope? What gave me strength? It was very, very hard. There was definitely kind of like this time where I found it mentally very hard because I was comparing myself against the person that I was pre-diagnosis, pre-symptoms and everything. And I definitely struggled a lot mentally. Like it was really, really hard. So I can really relate to those that find it like mentally the strength of waking up every day and having to go through what you're going through and remaining hopeful for a better future and less symptoms and all of that. I really, really empathize with that a lot because there was at least a full year of like hopelessness, especially going to doctor after doctor and getting misdiagnosed or not knowing basically what POTS was. (laughs) So things that definitely helped me. I read a lot of books and tried to educate myself around POTS. That was really helpful. Reading other people's stories and knowing that I wasn't alone. I have my family who were extremely supportive. My mum was amazing. (laughs) My friends helped me a lot too. When I couldn't leave the house, they would come and visit me, which I was just like, oh, thank you. (laughs) It definitely has a lot to do with your perspective and being grateful for what you can do every day and grateful for the things that are current in your life and being a appreciative and grateful for even the tiniest progressions that you wouldn't have considered to be progressions in the past really taking it step by step like if I woke up and got out of bed for an extra five minutes today that is progression like I'm slowly getting there if I managed to get outside today if I managed to get dressed today like celebrating those small achievements every day definitely was very helpful with gaining strength. I definitely had to change my perspective a lot. (laughs) Right, because you had been a high achiever and you had to get used to feeling good about getting dressed. And I'm guessing that was a downgrade. Yeah, that was very hard. (laughs) 
What lessons has POTS taught you, if any? One, to be more grateful. (laughs) Two, to remain positive and choose to be more positive about the smaller things in life rather than focusing on these like huge milestones. Three, POTS has taught me to be more empathetic and patient and understanding for other people as well as with myself. I think they're definitely the main lessons I have learned with POTS. So I have to ask because you have an interest in nutrition, as do I. And I know that when I got chronic illness, at first, it really made me feel like I had been betrayed by nutrition. Because I felt like, hey, I did everything I was supposed to do. I'm supposed to stay fit and healthy. This isn't fair. And it made me almost somebody who lost faith in their religion, right? So I was like, okay, nutrition is a crock. It can't save you from these bad things. But then over the years, that completely changed because I feel like I developed a new appreciation for a lot of things that nutrition can do. And even if it can't get rid of my POTS or get rid of my mast cell activation or autoimmunity or things like that, it can still do a whole lot of other things, whether it has to do with mood or energy or just other things. And so I feel like I had this whole arc of different ways that I felt about nutrition because of POTS. And I'm wondering if you feel like POTS has made you think differently about food or differently about nutrition or anything like that? Yeah, I definitely see nutrition as a way to fuel your body and it definitely can almost dictate the way that you feel, which is a really hard mindset to get out of. There was actually a stage in my POTS journey where I was at the very start when I got diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, which is kind of like sensitive gut to certain foods. I was very fearful and anxious around food. Going from that to I actually found out I have fructose intolerance. So for those who don't know much about that, it's basically a lot of fruits and fruit-flavoured things as well as onion and garlic. I can't tolerate those foods very well. But I think educating myself as seeing it a way to energize my body rather than dictating how it lets me feel, I see it differently now. And I try not to think about it too much apart from, I probably shouldn't have this food that's got garlic in it because I know I have fructose intolerance, so I probably should stay away from that food. But yeah, thinking of it as an energy source and a way to provide nutrients to my body to help with my energy levels and assist with my POTS rather than letting it dictate how I feel, if that kind of makes sense. It's definitely changed a lot over the years. Yeah, and being more lenient with myself, like if I have junk food, not to let it take over my day or worrying about whether or not I'm going to have a reaction to a certain type of food. So having that confidence in myself that I will make it through (laughs) and to see it as more of a energy and nutritious perspective rather than how I feel, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. This actually brings me to our speed round, where if you are up for it, I'll just ask you to say the first thing that comes to your mind for the next few questions. Does that sound okay? Yeah, sure. (laughs) What is your favorite way to get salt? Electrolytes. (laughs) 
What is the drink that you find the most hydrating? I would say they call it hydrolytes here in Australia. So yeah, it's kind of like an electrolyte drink. I try and stay away from sports drinks though because they have a lot of sugar and sugar makes me go a little bit crazy. (laughs) I jump around a lot. (laughs) What is your favorite time of the day and why? I would say the morning time, but like a couple of hours after I've just woken up because I feel like I have the most energy. I'm the most myself. And yeah, I just feel like I can take on the world (laughs) for the day. (laughs) How many doctors have you seen for POTS? I reckon I've seen at least five, just in the process of getting diagnosed. (laughs) How many other POTS patients have you ever met in person? In person, I've only ever met two people with POTS, so not many. (laughs) What is one word that describes life with POTS? I would describe it as eventful. (laughs) That's a good attitude. (laughs) What is something small or inexpensive that brings you comfort or joy? The smell of lavender. I go and buy like little lavender spray and I use it to help me sleep. I completely forgot about mentioning that in this entire podcast. Is that a big help for you, the lavender? Yeah, it's definitely a huge help with um, stress relief and calming myself. Yeah, getting better sleep. (laughs) Okay, what is something that you are proud of? Graduating high school and getting accepted into university and being able to live independently. At the time, I thought that was going to be impossible and I can't believe now, three years later, I've achieved that. So that's exciting for me. Oh, and getting my driver's license, like, of course, like, <laughs> how could I forget that? <laughs> what is something that you are grateful for? My family and my friends. I'm so grateful to have such a great support network. If you can, please answer this question. Even though POTS is invisible, people might suspect I'm a potsy when... I have to take a break to put my feet up. <laughs> so I just have a couple more questions. Is there anything that you wish more people knew about POTS? I guess just a general overall understanding of what POTS is. It's very exhausting to have to explain yourself all the time. I kind of wish that it was more commonplace, but I think the best thing that I would love people to know about POTS is, I guess, again, like having that willingness to understand us and to know that it's not all in our head. And to have patience with us. Yeah, we want to be able to do things with you. And we want to be able to experience the same things as everybody else. But it just might look a little bit different. So my next question is, if you could go back in time and deliver a message to the version of yourself that was not doing so good, that didn't know what was wrong, that couldn't take a step, that had all of these mysterious symptoms, what would you say to that Daniela to help her? I would say to keep trying don't give up. You have a lot of good things coming and a lot of opportunities ahead of you. And I'm so excited to see what you can accomplish and to have more confidence in yourself, girl. Like (laughs) things do get better. That's so nice. My next question is you had talked about pacing and how some activities are green light, yellow light, or red light. What will this interview 
be for you? I would consider it to be a yellow light activity just because I find socializing yellow light activities and also the online capacity. I find online stuff a lot more exhausting for me than in person. I don't know if that's common for a lot of people, but for me, that's what I've experienced. (laughs) Oh, well, then we appreciate it all the more that you took time to do this. I just have one last question, and it's why did you allow us to share your story today? First of all, I would love to be able to connect with other people in Australia because it's not as popular here in Australia (laughs) having POTS, but to also provide that hope and motivation and inspiration for those who are finding it really tough right now. Maybe you've just been diagnosed with POTS or maybe you're at that very beginning and you don't even know much about POTS and you're experiencing symptoms to give those hopes that things do get better and you can still achieve the things that you've always wanted to achieve, those big milestones. And it takes a lot of hard work, but you can get there. And that's ultimately why I wanted to share my story. That's so beautiful. And it reminds me of something that I took too long to learn, but it is that my life could have a lot of different versions that end up beautiful or great. And I had been working so hard on one particular version of my life that I thought was going to be good that I didn't understand that things could change entirely, but still end up great. It sounds like that's what's going on for you, that you're in a wonderful situation and doing things you love. Yeah, that's very similar to what I went through. I had this whole idea, especially, you know, growing up thinking like, I'm going to go graduate high school, I'm going to go to university and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to have a family and, you know, all those milestones, realizing that that still can happen, but it might happen in a different version or a different way than what I originally imagined. So I completely agree. That's something that I've definitely gone through. (laughs) Yeah, and I wish everybody could just see the big smile that I see on your face because you seem like a person who is very happy and has wonderful things going on. And yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. Compared to the person I was three, four years ago, like I wouldn't have been as enthusiastic and as happy and fulfilled. So yeah, to know that it is possible and to give that hope to other people is what I really hope that this interview achieves. Well, you sure do that, I think. So thank you so much for sharing your story and being so open about everything that you've gone through. We really appreciate it. And we hope things just keep getting better and better for you. Thank you so much for having me. And hey, listeners, remember, this is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare team about what's right for you. Please consider subscribing because it helps us get discovered by other people like you. And thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you're not alone. And please join us again soon. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, www.standinguptopots.org slash podcast. And I would add, if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to suggest, send them in. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots.